All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome. Uh, if you're new here, uh, hang out. Just uh, sit in the back. Uh, you can share if you want, but uh, it's probably best to listen today so you can get a sense of what's happening here. How the regs doing? How the regulars doing? How my people? Everybody all right? Are you holding up? Nicole Kidman is on the show today. You know Nicole Kidman. I guess she's uh, the reason she was available and hanging out uh, was the um, the uh, limited series on HBO, The Undoing, which you can watch on HBO Max. Talk about that. We'll talk about uh, a lot of stuff. I, I didn't know what to expect, but I found her completely charming and great. I imagine that most of us would expect that. It was a, It was a beautiful chat. Beautiful chat. It's hard, right? Knowing the vaccine's there and knowing that perhaps some semblance of, I don't know, normalcy, but uh, a little more freedom of movement is possible if we could just get it. But uh, the entire infrastructure of the federal government has uh, been destroyed and no one's really in charge. And uh, all the agencies and um, cabinet posts are occupied by... uh, amateurs and con people and fascists i don't want to be gender specific on the con people Uh, i find that in this last week or so week and a half week and a day of the uh, king chaos pigs reign that every day is a fucking cliff people and all those cocky motherfuckers who thought there would be no punishment They're getting picked up, cuffed, put in the car, charged with a number of different things. That fella who so arrogantly and proudly had his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk for his photo op with that smile on his face. Apparently, uh, one of his primary concerns is the... uh, The chips, you know, they're going to put chips in us. The vaccines, they're going to chip us. They're going to chip us like our pets. So when we're lost, we can be returned to our owners. But I got no owner, man. No one owns me. I'm free, man. Don't you understand what liberty is? Me and Bobby, little Jimmy, we're going to get the truck and we're going to take our country back. I think his wife is, is Susie coming, Jimmy? Did you pick up some dip? We're going to need like three or four tins of Coke before we go. I got all the other stuff. I got the vest. I got the zip ties. And I got twist ties as well. For, you know, sandwich bags, leftovers and whatnot. Zip ties are for hog tying senators. And the the twist ties are for uh, the trash, you know, in the car. Did you get the dip? We're going to take it back. No one's putting a chip in my head. Did you set the GPS? Fuck the chip in my head, man. Fuck that, man. We're fighting against the chips. We're fighting against the 5G. What's the GPS say? Did we just get on the interstate? Man, remember what it was like without GPSs? They're not putting a fucking chip in my head. Give me that dip. And scene. This is an inflection point. If something is not done today... To punish and force responsibility onto those who refuse to take it 
then uh, it's over. It's over. It's only going to happen again and again and worse and worse. They got to do whatever it takes. 25th Amendment, impeachment, whatever. Something has to be done in a big way. But we don't know what's going to fucking happen. And that's, I guess that's probably one of the reasons people are going more crazy. It's been like that for four years, but now in this final week and that day, it's pressing. The anxiety is profound. Fear is profound. Sleep is difficult. But God damn it. They're not putting a chip in my head. Here, I'm going to do an IG post. Fuck that, man. Fuck 5G towers and chips in my head. Take a picture of me with my phone and post it on IG. Make sure the location thing is switched so people knows we're here. Give me that dip. You got any dip? I don't know. It's kind of interesting, man. Twitter just shut him out. Everything's a little late. Dollar short, day late, but good. If anyone's wondering who's really in charge, see how it feels to get your Twitter shut down, to be booted off Twitter. Then who are you? A person without a country, a human without land, nowhere to get your little angry voice behind the veil of a fake name out into the world to cause pain. Or you're the president. People are screaming censorship. It's censorship. I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't have adjusted so efficiently. Maybe you shouldn't have turned your brain over to the technological overlords. Maybe these are privately held companies that can make privately held decisions. Maybe you just got to pass it up the chain and ask their shareholders, do you mind? Do you mind if we block the president because he's beginning to turn the country into a fascist shithole filled with... uh, very shallow, aggravated apes with guns and hats. And dip. They brought the dip. I got five tins of Coke. You've turned your brain over. Do we have a choice? I don't know. Let me check my phone if I have a choice. Do I have a choice? What's trending? Am I trending? Is there something trending that I should be part of? I think that's what it means, right? Doesn't that mean that? What does trending mean? Trending. See what everyone else is doing so you can do it too. Lists. Are the lists over? Because I need to know what to think. This or that. Lists. Content. What is content? Distraction profiteering. Oh, right. Personality. What is personality? Template that you apply to the goo, the psychic goo that is you. A personality template. Character. What's character? Character is your resume. That's what you present yourself. What is your brand? What are your likes and dislikes? Do you have a list? Is there a list? What's trending? Are you trending? The singularity has already happened. Most of who you are was created by the internet somehow. You are designed. Your desires thoroughly mined. Mind your mind. Is it poetry day? Holy shit the fuck is happening i uh, did yoga yesterday for the first time I've, I've had the mat in and around it's only taken me you know months and months what is it how many months are we into this i think i'm through most of the daily ptsd of grief and now i reflect 
trying to make memories of my girlfriend who passed away, blessings, trying to keep my head above water, mentally, psychologically, emotionally. Mornings are difficult. I've been meditating. And then I tried yoga. I did the yoga. I did some, some sun salutations. And I don't know what I'm expecting from meditating and yoga in the morning, right when I wake up. But uh, by the end of the day, I don't feel great. My body's still beat up. I'm still sore. There's no going back. There's no going back. I'm just trying to stay engaged so my brain doesn't turn to mush. Something needs to happen this week. Something in the form of punitive action, justice, saving the system that we live under. Something has to happen. If it doesn't, we won't. Right? Can you dig it? Nicole Kidman. It was very exciting to get to talk to her. And uh, you can watch the most recent bit of business that she is involved with, The Undoing, on HBO Max. Watch uh, Hugh Grant be a monster. A different kind of monster than he was before. Um, At the beginning of this, you will hear another voice. It, It was Keith Urban. Keith Urban, her husband, made an appearance getting her set up. It was a... That was kind of exciting in a weird way. I don't know one song that he's played. I know he's good at what he does, but just seeing him, I'm like, oh, shit, that's Keith Urban. This is me talking to uh, Nicole Kidman and to Keith Urban briefly. Wow. A country music star and a movie star in the same frame. (laughs) You play, is, is you play guitar. I do. I got a lot of guitars right behind me. Yeah. What does Keith play? What do you usually play? What's your guitar? Telecaster? Uh, everything. Telestrats, Gibsons, Les Pauls. What's your favorite uh, one, though? It changes. You like that single coil sound? I just got a, I got a 62 Les Paul Jr. a few weeks ago. Oh, 62. Very nice. Like with the, just the one oh. P90 on there? It's great. There's nothing like it. I know. It's a good rock guitar. Great rock guitar, yeah. Billy Armstrong agrees. Uh-huh. All right. Bye. <laughs> nice to talk to you, Mark. Nice to talk to you. <laughs> That's who you should be talking to. I don't know enough about guitars. I always get lost with the guys who do it for a living. They know a lot more. You play good music, though. Thank you. Do you want to, uh, are you going to put some earbuds in? Uh, no. <laughs> no? Do I need to? Because I don't know how to Bluetooth my AirPods. Well, go get the guitar guy. Let's get it. Let's get it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let me do it. <laughs> hey, baby. How's that? Is it happening? How's that? Testing one, two. Yeah, that's Hello. Working. Hi. Better? Better? I mean, look at How's this. That? How's that? Oh, darn. Yeah. <laughs> I can't hear anything. Is that better? Good. Is that good? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, Nicole. Are we ready to go now? A bit too loud, a bit too loud, baby. Oh, it's a bit too loud, baby. (laughs) Turn it down, baby. Turn it down, baby. Turn it up. (laughs) Turn me on. Turn it down. Okay. This is the the best interview I've ever done already. See you later. (laughs) Bye. Go practice. Don't want to go practice. Go practice, he says. (laughs) Get Um, better. Yeah. 
How does it like? How does it? Do you, I don't just before I, I I'm just curious. Now, does he ever get any flack from the country music community that he's Australian? Um, or they just he, don't care. He didn't make no no. I don't I don't know actually. I mean, there's another um uh guy now, younger guy, um who's also really big in um and married to um. Kelsey Ballerini, and he's Australian. But Keith really is the only Australian that's ever been put into the country music. The um, the Rye Man and oh, the oh, he's already the played the Rye to have yeah. won the awards. I right. mean, Olivia John won a won a CMA, I think, once. But yeah, but he's like a jukebox, honestly. I mean, his understanding of country music is he he was. We were sitting last night. Here's yeah. the thing: we were sitting in our porch, and he's like, "Oh, this is a picking porch." And he got his guitar because we had the, you know, the sunroom with the fly screen and yeah. the summer here. And he just started playing Willie and Don oh. Williams and all these old, old country songs. And wow. Reeling off stories about Charlie Pride. And oh. I mean, so he's, he's grown up. His father loved country music. So since he was a baby, he's been listening to country music. And that's how So his understanding. Yeah. Yeah, and then he taught himself guitar. Yeah, in his bedroom, and all his all year he would go um, to Tamworth here the country music. It sounds like you're talking to me like you just went on a first date with this guy, and I love this guy. (laughs) (laughs) He were we're just on the porch, and he knew all this stuff about country music. Well, I mean, I'm, I was sitting there going, because he was telling me a story about Charlie Pride, who just passed. And yeah. he was telling me a story about how Chet Atkins had to put his first, I think it was his when he sent it out to be played on radio oh, right. in a brown in brown paper bags. So no one would know so he was black. They wouldn't know that he was black, yeah. And Chet Atkins produced it, probably. Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, how do you know that? He goes, everybody knows that. And I'm like, oh, I don't know that. Um, and now you do. But, you know, that's just, he has so much knowledge. And then he has, he plays by ear. Yeah. So he, you can play him one song and he'll play. He can play it and he can play drums. And, wow. You know, he's just that. He's, yes, he can, you play it and he'll play piano, guitar, drums. Well, that's exciting to have that in the house, so right? anyway. There's like, it must it be nice, always entertaining. My music man, my yeah. music man. Good for you. Yeah. So what, you just yeah. got back from shooting a movie? Um, yeah, I was shooting in Belfast. In uh, Belfast? Liking. Yes. I love Belfast now. Really? I Never love been. Ireland. I love Ireland. Oh. I, want, I want to live there. I want out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest thing was I'm in Belfast and I'm like, and I have this sort of this this way of going, huh, maybe we should move here. I'm <laughs> yeah, that person. Me too. Um, so I'm in Belfast going, this place is really special. Yeah. And it, there's something about it. I was just drawn. I have Irish blood. My, yeah. my part of my family came over to Australia in the 1839 on the SS Susan. So. Wow, you know That's that you, you know the big the big history. I I have zero Irish blood. I have I'm I'm all Jew, and some part of me. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> I've been listening. I've been listening to the no, does that um, come up a lot? some of your podcasts, and I now subscribe to you. Oh, good. Well, that's um, very nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm flattered. Yeah, because I was I I was saying you're one with Glenn. Oh yeah. I learned about Glenn. 
fascinating. And I've worked with Glenn years and years ago, but I didn't know that. And then Carrie's one was so extraordinary because she went to India. She did, I mean, all of these things. So I've been very excited to do this with you. Yeah, I uh, I've been excited too. I I wasn't uh, I was I was nervous. I'm nervous. You've done a lot of things, and I uh, like I've been to Australia a few times. And one thing I remember now, I I don't know what this is, but I'm going to ask you because I'm curious. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever you go to Australia, you're an American. Australians talk about like you know seven people. You know the 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 Australians that everybody knows around the world, and you're one of them. But then there was always this thing. It's like, oh, her family owned the entire country once. <laughs> is that? Yeah, no, no, I'm not of I'm not of that family. Okay, that's the Adelaide. That's the Adelaide Kidman. Oh, you missed um, out, huh? South Australia, uh-huh. yeah. And he was a cattle king. Oh. Um, and I'm not related to him. Do you get that a lot, though? Do people so, assume that about you? Yes, they do. Yes. They're they're like, oh, she's yeah. like a a rich old money Australian lady. Nope. Yeah, that's not the case. <laughs> I came from a working class father who built himself up and. He got his degree um, and became a biochemist and then became a psychologist. But so, a psychologist? Yeah. Your dad was a psychologist? He started as a biochemist. And then I remember in my teens, suddenly my father was a psychologist. In, he'd gone and studied with Albert Ellis. Oh. Um, and all of that was sort of so CBT and um, cognitive behavioral therapy. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah. Did he have an office in the house? He did. Oh, wow. So you were that kid? How did you know that? What do you mean? How I, I would peep through the window and see people coming in <laughs> and be like, I wonder what's wrong with them. Um, <laughs> but as an actor, that's a wonderful thing because just his understanding of behavior and the things he would share without anonymously was, was interesting to me. And his also his, his, his real um, compassion and ability to view things through um, different perspectives and lenses, I think had an enormous effect on how I view the world now. I bet. Well, I mean, cognitive behavioral therapy, I mean, that's the most practical one. I Like out of all of them, yeah. that seems to be the one that 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 you can actually uh, uh, see working because it really relies right. on you going like, uh, you know, like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, you or know. don't contract, don't catastrophize. Oh, Give yeah. some tools as to how to. Yeah, but as a, of course, as a, as a teenager, I was like, oh, so not going to apply any of that, and that's all crap, and I'm not interested. And oh, yeah, don't tell me. You push how back, to be huh? and Push back pretty hard. It's my nature. Yeah, you fought the good fight. <laughs> Little bit willful. Yeah. Uh-huh. Were you born in Australia? You weren't, right? I was born in Hawaii. How long did you live there, though? Um, for a bit over a year, and then we moved to, oh, uh, no, till us about 18 months, I think, and then we moved to uh, Washington, D.C., because my dad was studying at the Institute of Health. D.C.? But they were they had no money, like no money, and they had to go and get, I, I even remember, they, you know, to get it, they went and got a mattress and put, my dad's, you know, before my dad passed, I, he was telling me all these stories, and I think it must have been because he, maybe he knew that his heart was weak or, but we didn't, but he told me a lot of stories about when I was little and things they did when they were in the States. And Oh really? When, um, when did he, yeah. pass? when did he pass? Um, it feels like yesterday it was six years ago. Oh man. Did, I was very, very close to him. That's sad. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. 
And did, so you, but you were able to do that. So like he, he, like, did you feel like it was a, he, he wanted you to know all this stuff like before he went? Did it have that kind of feeling about your childhood and everything? Felt like that now when I look back on it. Do you have pictures yeah. and stuff? I have loads of pictures because my mom took pictures and, um, but I, and I have stories, but the, these stories were very particular and very specific. And strangely enough, I remember the last time I saw him, mm. I had this unbelievably strange sensation where I was like, wow, this is going to be the last time I see my dad. Oh, really? And then a month later, he died very suddenly. Yeah. But he wasn't sick? And I, hate that. I hated having that. No, not sick at all. Oh, Jesus. That's... I mean, Malcolm Gladwell would say that's just your mind saying, you know, you know, the, the, the sort of obvious thing is you're distanced from your family a lot and he's 75 and anything can happen. And, right. So right. there is a or I can go into that other place and go, I had a premonition. So I, I fluctuate between spiritual and science. Sure. Yeah. He's a magic killer. <laughs> Don't let him kill the magic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I don't mind that. I don't want to be someone that can have premonitions or feel things on those things. No, but you got to find some mid midway. You know, poetry is poetry and feelings are feelings. It doesn't mm. mean that you, you know, you believe in an afterlife or you're talking to spirits. I mean, there's, you know. But we, I do believe in an afterlife. You do? What happens? Yes. Help me out. Jews get kind of a. I don't know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot about Jewish men. Um, you do? So why is yes, that? I do. Um, because I know a lot of Jewish men, and I've been very interested in um, the religion, and I have a lot of um, yeah. I, so I just know a lot. You, of pro- you probably know like more it. than most Jews if you're fascinated with the religion. Yeah, my, most of <laughs> us like are it. just happy with I the like framework. Yeah, you like the religion yeah, yeah. too. I like sitting shiver, and yeah. What religion are you? Catholic, raised Catholic. Mm. Well, Catholic's one of those ones. It's pretty uh, ornate and complicated and uh, yeah. uh, mystical, and there's all kinds of magical books. I mean, I went to Italy. Every church has a few dead wizards in it. There are dead wizards everywhere in Italy. There, how many popes were there? And everyone, there's pieces of bodies yeah. everywhere. It's dark, man. Yes, the catacombs in Rome. and But every church down, has right? like a, a finger yeah. or a saint's ear or a head. That's how you. That's right. How, that's how you were raised Catholic. So that's. So you believe in the burning. I have. I. I'm always grappling with what I believe and what I don't believe. That's probably part of my nature, which is fine with the, with where I stand with S- my science. Faith. But I've been taught to question. Mm. Um, but ultimately, like when, say when my father died, the first place I go is church. When Stanley Kubrick died, the first place I went was church, kneeling, praying. So it's I, but I was raised in it since I was a baby. And what what do you get out of that? I get peace. Yeah, yeah. I do. I actually do. I get enormous peace. I'm a Jew, and I walk. You know, I walked into those churches like in Italy where they invented the uh, mm. <laughs> the big the Catholic the Catholic stuff. Like those churches, like, I mean, you feel the weight, man. I mean, they're designed to make mm. you feel a certain spiritual weight that's uh, really beautiful. You know, I, mm. I almost became Catholic. Well, I, I, I think I was Catholic when I really? went in the, not really, but I mean, when I went into the churches, yeah. I was like, I get it. You feel the. Yeah, I could sit here yeah. and, and do it, you know, just yeah. switch the God out for my more nebulous kind of unexplained God. 
uh, you know, just switch out to Jesus. Yeah. But so you were brought up with Catholic the whole time? You did, your parents were? My, yes. Um, then my mother became agnostic. Did something happen? I never, I was just suddenly, it was, my mom wasn't coming to church on oh, Sunday. Oh, wow. So I wasn't quite aware of what happened. I remember there was sort of closed doors and tears and for about a year and whispering and and then well it took course over maybe a year or two where she just slowly she she converted to catholicism and then um maybe when it was about eight i think it was that she just stopped coming and my dad would take us and we would go to folk mass where you would sing Oh, well, that's nice. Let it be, let it be. That was part of our, <laughs> with the guitars. Yeah. God, I sound so daggy. Were um, they singing nuns? Were they nuns singing? I went to a school with the nuns when I was little. And I would be told the nuns are married to God. And then I would go over into the convent where they lived and be like, oh, I hope I can see God. And I want to see who they're married to. And it was all very like wide-eyed and then they'd give me biscuits and cookies and i'd sit and there and wait to wait. see how they were married to god <laughs> yeah. and eat, and eat cookies. <laughs> all part of the reason i became an actor i think george miller says that he says there's something to actors who were raised in catholicism because they have all that relationship with i don't know big really? sort of ideas yeah george miller who did the mad maxes and yeah, yeah, I know. I'm familiar with yeah. him. He's great. Yeah, I mean the acting thing. I, I guess I, I <laughs> I'm just trying to do it now. You're, you're very good at it. You've been good at it a long time. And I think it's like, it's strange to me that like every year, anytime you do anything, it seems that they're writing like, oh my god, Nicole Kidman's back, or like she really is amazing. <laughs> How many? I mean, like you've been here for years doing amazing work, but every time you do anything, they're like, surprise, Nicole Kidman has re has re whatever. They act like you're brand new every time. What the hell's wrong with people? Why can't they just say she's amazing again? No, well, I think I've definitely not been amazing, and I think I've probably sort How of that? found the How that? What do you mean? How? When were you not amazing? <laughs> and I'm a hundred. So, but what do you look back at and go like, well, that was terrible. What do you, you actually have things that you think back at where you're like, mm, that was, I wish that movie didn't exist. Wish it didn't exist. It exists. It's there. Yeah. There's things I've done that I go, God, I wish, uh, um, I'd done better. Yeah. But none right, of the, sure. none of the, yeah. I mean, I, I look at every scene practically and I'm like, God, that doesn't, I, it, I need a long time before I can watch the performance and have any sort of, I mean, I literally feel nauseous when, when I watch things and I, and I have a physical um, response to things. That you're in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And very disappointed. I feel very disappointed. I think I'm way better than I am. I watch, I go, terrible what a uh, what um so it's interesting <laughs> so i i tend not to watch unless i'm producing and then sometimes i look back and i go oh, that was interesting okay then i see why that connected or didn't connect and but i'm always trying not to have um i suppose it's more putting it out into the world and seeing how because it shouldn't be about me and my response to it it should be that i have given right. blood Hopefully. Yeah. You're telling a story. Is, I try to give blood. I try to yeah. smash myself into a wall or give blood when I do a performance. 
You do every time. Yeah. Yeah. I want yeah. it to be that. Um, like I, I really look to life or death almost like everything's relying. Yeah. On yeah. Yeah. Never cause. So like sometimes you watch, you watch pre like the nauseousness is probably like, you'll see like a scene and you'll be like, no, oh, I could have made a different choice or maybe, uh, you know, why they use that take kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm not a good judge of it. And I shouldn't be a good judge of it. You can't be. No, right? no, just, no. yeah, like, yeah, because like whatever our feelings are, whatever your feelings are, I mean, you know, the object is to do good work, but you know, a lot of people aren't going to, they're not going to be as critical as you are of yourself. No. And then my emotions, then my right. offerings, and hopefully the, a lot of it is unconscious, yeah. if that makes sense, instead of conscious, because I'm, yeah. I'm interested in, um, acting that that involves the unconscious we all know how to do something and hit beats and you know deliver yeah particular performance but i'm interested in the performance i don't know how to deliver that oh really probably, yeah yeah and where that's gonna go so no not planning huge amounts so that there's a um almost it's it's very fluid when you're in a take so yeah. that there's um very few and there's definitely some structure to the scene sure. because of the dialogue or because of the way in which the scene's going to play out i rely heavily on the director for that structure too but i'm here to bring um responses and 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 truth so what do you put into place first? I mean, like if you're going to do a character like Destroyer, which was so clearly, you know, a, a shattered person and not you and somebody who, you know, was deeply, uh, you know, troubled and kind of, uh, you, you know, kind of uh, her soul was kind of uh, broken up. Like, what do you mm. put in place first to get to that person so you can have this experience you're talking about? Well, every, everything's different. I mean, on that character, I found... Um, a walk actually, which was more of, I just started moving in a particular way, mm. which was to do with um, pain in the abdomen hmm. and not being well and right. protecting the heart and sort of beaten down by life. Right. But also particular pain, which is dying, slowly dying. So where does that pain exist? It's in the abdomen and it's taking over slowly. And that was the starting point. Yeah, that's how I went into her. And then just shame, which is a huge emotion to carry, and shame of um, in relationship to the things that have been done. Right. To my child, yeah. to my partner, to yeah. myself. And that then creates a person. Yeah, this is a heavy uh, person. And then like the a vocally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this, yeah. like uh, almost like a, a, a haunting person, a haunted person. Like a, a person who knows they're going to die and has no problem with that ultimately, but wants some sort of salvation with her daughter and in her life, mm. um, but is actually heading towards death. And that was awful being in that place. And I, I, being, I stayed in that character. I actually would come home in the jeans and the jacket and not, and not get changed. And, really? Yeah, like, so is that yeah. why? Just because you were afraid you'd lose it? Yeah, I didn't want it to feel like acting. 
I, it was because it, it, it was so. You wanted to so live in that skin for a Well, I didn't want to walk on set and be. Now I'm going to perform. I actually needed to because I would have felt silly. I actually needed to just slowly go into her and become her, and I would growl wow. and moan before. <laughs> I was not pleasant. I was a very unpleasant person during that time. Do all roles take that? I mean, do you have to do that with all roles? Do you have to live in them? No. The, no, but for her, not to that degree, to. right? Um, the big little lies I did, and even um, on undoing, it kind of happened where I just was like, suddenly, I was in this place of um, there was a sort of a disquietness to my to my personality where I was uneasy and there was duress on who I was. I actually got really sick, and I think this is a big thing that happens to actors with the undoing. That, yeah. Yeah, mm. I did. I, I went down for a week with just having put my um, – because your immune system doesn't know the difference between acting and um, right, truth and when you're right, doing right, them. Right. Yeah. And I, I have not learned the technique to tell my brain and my body, oh, this is just acting. Right. Um, I haven't learned how to clean that out. You know, I've been told, oh, wipe, wipe it <laughs> like this <laughs> yeah. after each time. Ta- uh, it doesn't really work for me. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. And I don't sleep well and I, I'm not well. And if, if it's that disturbing to me. Well, those women, all three of them were kind of brutalized, you know, emotionally and psychologically and physically. The three that seem to be yeah. the most taxing that you're talking about. I mean, to stay in that sort of gaslit zone or that abuse zone, uh, I don't know, that must take its toll. I don't wonder why you felt like you had to live in those more than other ones. Um, but then something like Angie and the prom, I just go, great, I get to dance and I get to love everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I get to go, come here, let me hug you. Yeah. <laughs> It's all going to be all right. <laughs> do you understand? Um, do you understand Eyes Wide Shut? Does it make sense to you? Yes. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. Well, because I spent two years with Stanley, like kind of um, woven into his psyche. And um, yeah, yeah, it makes sense to me. It's an unusual film, but it definitely makes sense to me. Some of the most interesting parts to me are that are the marriage. I mean, how and the the basis of it being, do you know your partner? And uh, the same basis that's you know, you one minute they can be lying next to you, and I love the line in it where there's a sword between, and it was in the script. I'm not sure if it's in the film, but there's a sword between us, and you're lying there next to your partner in your bed, and there's a sword between you, and who's going to pick up the sword? I mean, that's just fantastic right right well i mean that's like that's also in the undoing like that you know how well do you know your partner business yeah but different because they're not in he leaves quickly in eyes wide shut we're together right and we're working through and i tell him something about myself that unleashes insane jealousy yet nothing happened it was a thought yeah it wasn't even a it wasn't even um there was no action behind it, but there was desire and a thought. It and that was enough. Yeah. Yeah. Men. Huh? Well, those things are fascinating to me because, you know, as I said, I've said it before, but I'm really interested in philosophy and Kubrick is a great philosopher and I'm interested in hunting down the, the modern day philosophers who happen to be, I think, filmmakers and writers, but 
but a lot of filmmakers, I think. Have. Did you you spent a lot of time with Stanley then, like hands on yeah. a lot? And yeah. did did were you guys in contact in until he passed? I mean, were you did you remain friends type of? The night before he passed. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I was deeply attached to him, and we would talk all the time. And and faxes were big then, so he would fax and. But he called the night before and said um, I was in New York and I remember um, him saying, um, he'd sent a fax saying, can we talk? And I'd come home and I was like, oh, I can't call him tonight. I'll call right. him in the morning. Yeah. And I put it off and said, well, I'll call you in the morning. Yeah. What are you looking at? What's wrong? Nothing. I just want to make sure I was recording loud enough. Go ahead. He said call in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so you looking nervously over to the side. Yeah, I went to, um, I went into a mild panic about my levels. Nothing <laughs> nothing nothing to, <laughs> nothing to do with you. <laughs> so um, what happened? But yes. I didn't call him that night and then the next morning Leon his assistant called and and he's just and I answered the phone. It was still when there were hard lines and, and the phone would ring in the apartment and it rang and I picked it up and I thought it was going to be Stanley and it was Leon. And Leon just said, Stanley Kubrick is dead. Like that. Oh, my God. That's how he said it. Yeah. And I just started screaming. And I had young children at the time. I mean, I have a very, very, I have a huge fear of phone calls in the night now because I've received a number of them with that sort of news. They're never my good. included. No. So I actually have had to, I have trauma attached to them. But um, I just started screaming. I collapsed on the ground. But I was that, that up close to him and that upset. And then we, Tom and I, had to get on the plane and get to, oh. to the funeral. And it was just like, mm, mm. Oh, my God. But, yeah, what an amazing genius guy. Oh, he could speak to everything, I imagine. That, like, you know, whatever range of conversation you wanted to have, he had probably a wealth of, of ideas and experience and thoughts on it. Yeah, and knew about everything. Big yeah. reader, um, would call people up and ask questions. So you could ask him. He would challenge everything as well. Like I would say, and I was young, so yeah. I had a lot of ideas that I, you know, would throw down as 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 truths uh-huh yeah and he would completely you know pull them apart comparatively <laughs> what was the process of like you know working with a guy like that you know versus working with like say like because like the, i love that movie you did that Sidney pollock movie i really i mean i love mm. his movies and mm. you know, he always struck me as a sophisticated intellectual guy and his approach to filmmaking was very grown up like it's you, you know what i mean he lets the um he, he's not uh, nervous about stories being accessible. I, I like. I just like what he does as an actor. Great film. filmmaker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Was in Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Came over. Yeah. Sydney came over. So very good friends with Sydney. Both Tom yeah. and I. Tom had done the firm with him. And the firm is a great I, movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and um, yeah, it was. Yeah. I was down there in Memphis while they were shooting it the whole time, and um, we adopted um, Bella during that. So, but it was fascinating because he he came over, and Tom and I were like, "Ah, oh, right." And and Sydney was like, "Oh, I'm going to be here for a week," and we shot the scene, and he was like, "Fantastic! I don't know what you're all talking about." You know? And then he was there for six weeks, six doing weeks. one scene. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> but I remember Tom and I going, right, uh, okay, Sydney, yeah, yeah. And then we came in after we shot the scene and, and Stanley was like, no, 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 I've actually looked at the scene terrible. We're going to go back. And then we just slowly started working it and working it and working it. And, yeah, so he came over thinking he was going to be there for a week. He ended up there for six weeks. And we would cook pasta in the trailer. He's a great oh. cook, Sydney. Oh, great yeah. Great cook. So we basically lived in our trailers because we were on the set, you know, or in That's the trailer sweet. with the kids. And, yeah, it was. Yeah. Kind of, it was. And people say, oh, that must have been so hard being there for that amount of time. But I always have this response, which is it is if you fight it. Right. But if you go with it and go, I'm here. These people are fantastic people to be surrounded by. The, I mean, we're with the greatest filmmaker in the world. Right. So it's like being in school and he comes in and eats the pasta at lunchtime that we cook or, you know, <laughs> has a little bite and we sit around and we talk about life and ideas and then we go back and we're on the set. And I mean, that's kind of why we do it. Yeah. Right. And, and was, was Tom engaged in, as engaged as you were intellectually with that stuff? He was he was on every single day of the film. Yeah. So his workload was so much more than mine. So he it was much harder for him in terms of the stamina that was required because that's a 12-hour day every single day for right. years. Yeah. So that's a year and a half it was almost plus the rehearsal. Oh my god. A year and a half. Yeah. So what do you when you're when yeah. you're doing that kind of work with Kubrick like I mean you know, after a certain point are you like what are you looking for? What 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 are we missing? Yeah, but you don't. That then creates this, right? And you don't right? want that. Yeah. No, you just have to flow, and we kind of got into that flow. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, my hat is off to Tom on it because it was like every single day. Whereas I would be told you can go home, right, and wait at the house on standby. I mean, I was naughty because after being on standby for two months and never being called in, but on yeah. standby from 7 a.m. in the morning waiting, um, but I was allowed to be at home, I decided, look, we're over here. I'm going to go to Paris. So I went to Paris <laughs> for a few days. And Tom would say to Stanley, we'd go, is she in the house? And he'd be like, yeah, 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 she's in the house. Um, but then he got hip to it. And <laughs> one time he said, I'm actually going to call her in. And he called me in and I was in Australia. <laughs> I was in Australia and Tom's like, oh, we're screwed, we're screwed. And um, <laughs> you're going to have to get on the phone with Stanley. And so I'm like, Stanley, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm actually not in the house. I mean, I'm in Sydney. And he goes, unfaithful woman. Oh, wow. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he was really kind of sweet about it. Yeah. Yeah. And with Sidney Pollack, too, like he was also a great director. But wait, let's, let's go back great even further. performance director. Yeah? Why? What makes it oh. different? Because he's an actor? Yeah, and a great actor. I mean, Sidney was a great actor. A great actor. And, I love him. Yeah. I love when he plays the morally compromised guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's when He did so many Husbands of them. Husbands and wives and oh, oh my great. gosh. Oh, my great. God. When he, when, he ta when he has to take that girl out of the party, the girlfriend... Oh my God, it's crazy! So good, yeah, yeah, and Judy Davis in that as well. Judy oh my Davis. God, great! That's some of the, the greatest act, film acting there. In I haven't the seen world her in a while. Yeah, no kidding. She's 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 a goddess. It seems like 
you continue to kind of like push yourself into whatever, you know, you want to, you want to keep taking chances. You can't stop. Yeah. I want to be fierce in terms of my, um, my art and I want to try and, um, really, I, I just, I'm, I'm interested. I'm curious and interested and hungry to explore and examine what life means what human beings are, who we are, how we exist. I'm, I'm still completely um, enraptured with the, the examination of what this life is and who we are as human beings. And I'm, I'm, it's, it, the depth of that is so, I, I love it, you know, and I love the big themes. And I live like that as a, as a person or I, I'm, I mean, I I I connect deeply to the people I love. I experience things deeply, and and I'm interested in exploring characters that way. And I also love perspective because I feel by viewing the world through different um, people's eyes and the motivations and the reasons and all of those things, I find that it very it brings me into living. Well, I mean, it's like that scene, like I keep like the one, there's a quote that front, that actually Sidney Pollack said in Michael mm. Clayton, which is a movie I watch mm. over and over again. Where, yeah, that's a great movie. It's fucking great. Where he yeah. goes, uh, where he says, uh, you know, people are fucking incomprehensible. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's so yeah. like, you, 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 there's so many things we think that are like, you know, simple, that there are patterns that we as people, uh, you know, some people are predictable or whatever, but. I have no idea what the hell makes some people go or, and how people handle things. Everybody's totally different. And like, mm. like recently, like, and I know you've had to deal with this as well. It's like contextualizing loss. You know, what the mm. hell is that about? How do you go on living, you know, mm. knowing that this is life? I mean, this is what it is. There's nothing unusual about Mm-mm. dying. Mm-mm. So, So how do I make this not a defeat of some kind or, or some sort of, mm. you know, dark hole that you go in? How do you sort of process it in that? Like, well, this deepens my experience of life. And I, you know, I see this as a blessing. Yeah, no, I have trouble with that. I mean, I think that I remember when my father died, the moment that it happened, everything became so unstable. It was like, none of this is real. Everything is 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 could go in any second, and I had a very existential response to it. I had a very visceral, but also had that really existential response, which is, I'm none of this now exists because the thing that was so solid in my life for so long and was actually probably, I knew he would leave at some point, he would die at some point, but it wasn't going to be now and it wasn't meant to be now and all of what happened and none of this is real. So I went into that very existential place. Um, But at the same time, I'm a mother, so I had two little, this was the scariest thing, My one of my daughter's, because I was screaming because my sister called me on the phone and said, he's pup is gone. He's wow. gone. Yeah. Yeah. He's not here anymore. And I'm like, what, what, what is this? What? And started screaming. Um, and my littlest one who was really little at the time said, is mummy acting? 
which was devastating to me because she'd heard me rehearsing in the bedroom sometimes right. where I yeah, practice yeah. and yeah. rehearse. And she said that to Sunday, who's the older one. And she said, mommy acting like that. Yeah. And I had to come out and go, and Sunday told me, and I'm like, no, mama's not. Mama, this is real. This is real. And then she said, but you're not going to be sad tomorrow, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to be sad for a long time. <laughs> oh, um, no. But I realized they don't want a sad house. So right. I'm going to have to rally now and smart and push through for them because the thing a child doesn't want is a sad house right. where you get up in the morning day after day and it's a sad house, right? right? Right. So I had to pull myself out of all of that for them. So how extraordinary to have to be something for somebody else. And that's the basis of life, really, isn't it? Right. Well, then that's like that's the natural sort of course of it, isn't it? Mm. That mm-hmm. that you know, countering that extreme loss, and then having to parent with that the the, the almost polar opposite of loss, right? Yeah, yeah. So you live in that moment that you know you're going to share your heart that both things are happening simultaneously, and that is the natural the natural course of things. Yeah. Yeah, but the idea of, um, I mean, I've always um, circled loss, sorrow, those. I love that word. Um, I was listening um, to um, Fiona Shaw talking recently, and I was like, oh, so, I so love you as an actress. Um, and she was talking about the word grief, but then she was talking about the word sorrow and what an extraordinary word that is because it's almost like sorrow is an ongoing um, emotion and right. I thought yeah it so is and I've circled that a lot in films I've made birth is one of them where she's still so willing to believe that her husband is alive and a 10 year old child because she's still experiencing such grief and sorrow at the loss of her husband who she loves so much so when a 10 year old comes and says I'm actually him I'm in this body but I've come I'm him she's so willing to believe it right there's a lot of them where you're in a proximity to it. If you're not in it yourself, it's nearby the sorrow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even in but Lion. I'm, I'm trying to move to some joy. <laughs> lion, but, but Lion to me is, is actually joy because it's, um, well, it's love. It's unconditional love, which is a beautiful thing to depict on screen. And that was, I just love you and I will always love you. And you can go and find other people who will love you just as much. And that will make me happier because you deserve love. What a beautiful person to be giving that to, um, to a child and watching him grow and saying, yeah, go find your birth mother because I love her too. And I want you to have more love. I'm not threatened by that. I love her because she made you. And that was a real person, right? Yeah, yeah. So who I'm still very close to and really, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's nice. I'm. I've been a mother in so many capacities because I'm a, a mother of adopted children. I'm a mother of um, biological child. I'm um, who I gave birth to. I'm a mother of a surrogate child who was given birth to by somebody else, but who is my genetic child. So. A, a full range of motherhood experience. 
Yeah, I mean, I love um, part of, I'm an oldest child, so probably How many that. were there? Just two, but I've, um, I just think I there's that oldest child personality sometimes, um, which is caretaker and, and mother. And huh. I wanted to, and I love, I love that. I love being able to, I actually love giving to other people and seeing them happy. Oh, that's nice. I'm I'm in the oldest child, well, but I, I I went more of the self centered look at me direction. I <laughs> I'm the main one. I got one. a lot of look at me. My mother says <laughs> I was hot housed, so I had a lot of attention and a lot yeah. of um, yeah. yeah, just sort of directed at me. So yeah. I never I I crave the approval, but I'm not sure I crave the attention. But I crave approval <laughs> from her. From your mother? From, yeah. Yeah. She's still around, correct? Yeah. That's nice. Powerful. Powerful. Yeah. Yes. Both of mine are still yeah. around, both my parents. Oh, you're very fortunate. Yeah. They say you've got that a wall between you and, you know, when, when both parents are gone, it's yeah. like mortality really comes crashing towards you, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh that's all starting. Yeah, it, you start mm. to really realize like what is important. Do you know like what mm. what what am I doing yeah. that is not necessary? You know, mm. Mm. but I like the idea that you you know you've gone through all these characters to sort of like get a deeper understanding of of life. Yeah, you know whether you wanted to or not. That living in these yeah. characters and being with these filmmakers because part of my um sort of journey has always been trying to seek out um, teachers and and really smart people. Just so these, you know, working with the greatest writers and filmmakers in the world is, I mean, talk about how to be, um, how to grow, right? And I love to learn. On a day-to-day basis, you know, outside of Stanley, you know, and, and we talked a little about, about Sidney Pollack, but I mean, like who are, like what were the most some of the most provocative sort of projects you were working on intellectually and and creatively satisfying because of who was driving it who was directing it Oh yeah I mean Jane Campion changed my life right. um Von Trier came in oh. I mean I sought Von Trier out and went over there um to try and um I saw Breaking the Waves and oh was God. in a fetal position after that movie which I know has been um you know, they say it's misogynistic and there's probably parts of it that are, but it hit me partly because of the faith um, and the um, the desire to give over this this woman who would give and give and give partly because she felt that she had done something wrong mm. and had to um, – those that theme for some reason resonated so deeply with me i had to crawl out of we saw it in a screening room in london i we were meant to go to dinner after and i just went home and got in, under the covers in a fetal position sobbing really oh and that, that made you like with you... precious i watched uh, precious right. lee yes. daniels precious and i we were meant to go out and grab a bite after it i saw it in new york i was like get in a cab get home i mean i could start weeping about it now yeah. The, the scene with the father and the young child in the bed. I, I was just like, I couldn't even, I couldn't function. I just, yeah. so I have these responses to movies. From, so they go so deeply into me that I just, I have to. Oh. Yeah. Is that always been, is that what made you want to do yeah. it? 
Yeah. And even reading books. I mean, I read Beloved, Toni Morrison's why I was like, I read Beloved and I couldn't even move after. I would just, I was just like, <gasps> and I mean, just so viscerally responding to something. But yes, have always been like that since I was a child. But that made so, you want to seek out von Trier. You're like, I need to go wherever that guy I wanted, takes I was people. I was fascinated as to who he was and how he got. I mean, that perform the performances in that film are abs. I mean, Emily Watson is is like it's beyond. It's from some other place. So yeah, I wanted to go and be in that world, and I love traveling the world and going to. Um, other places to exist with people from all over, different nationalities, different filmmaking techniques. And which was the Jane Campion movie? Um, Portrait of a Lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, Which yeah. was, yeah. And then, I mean, but Baz, Baz Luhrmann yeah, came along sure. and went, and I wanted to make a love story. I'd been wanting to make a love story. I didn't know it was going to, I was like, a tragic love story? Okay. <laughs> I'd like to make a love story now where it's, it you, it ends beautifully, um, but yes, yeah, Satine dies. Of, but hey, it's still a deep love story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love the. Um, I, well, I like so many of the movies. I was sort of amazed that, like, I I feel like I've known you my whole life because I, I've <laughs> you have. I, I kind of <laughs> I kind of have really from at least de Dead Calm and then all the way up through all the other ones. I've, I'm just amazed at how many I've seen. You know, wow. And to, to Die For was a, like a life-changing movie. Yes, Gus. Oh, my Gus God. I've talked to Gus. Dan. He's great. But I, I mean, but Gus. that whole story, like that weird, you know, uh, Joaquin when he was like almost feral. <laughs> He's like, just Joaquin. like. Uh. And you're Joaquin also young. He, he was so young. And, um, but what an, he was open. I remember emotionally and he would just shake in some of those. I mean, the stuff we had to do together, the, the scenes we had to do and the sexuality of that, it was so, um, I think the first day was the scene where I have to, um, you know, be going down on him. Yeah. Um, and Gus was shooting it with the can. I just remember going, God, this is so weird. But it was so well written by Buck <laughs> yeah. Henry, right? Yeah, and right, then, great. And then yeah. realized by Gus and the combination of Buck and Gus because so many of these things are the combinations in which w w the way we're put together, which is why it's I feel it's incredibly important with casting when you do a, when you do a film who are you working with? Yeah. Because all performances are about us, like how we're in the scene together. So who is your partner? Who are you working with? I know. I'm, I'm in a movie right can't now. can't be good by yourself. Right. And who are you working Andrea with? Andrea Riceboro. Oh, she's fantastic. I, I know. I feel, well, I mean, like, I feel like I'm a little outgunned here and uh, I'll just have to, I'll just show up with all I <laughs> yeah. got. I'll just, You're I'll just, okay. I'll just do everything I can <laughs> to it. be this guy. But we had a scene the other day. It's great casting the two of you. Well, I'm mm -hmm. trying to focus on what it is that we're, you know, uh, of who I am. Because I'm, I'm still, like, I have a lot to learn as an actor. But I'm, I'm focusing now because I talk to people like you. I talk to other actors. And we had mm -hmm. a moment the other day that was just sort of like, oh, my God. Like, you know, we were both, you know, we had to sit down and we were all crying and like and it was a nice scene. It wasn't a. It was like a, a a beautiful scene. It wasn't a sad scene, but it just broke something open. And like the entire everybody on set was sort of like, whoa, that was. And it was. 
It was just a pleasant, it was no, it was, I don't know. It, it's really kind of fascinating to feel yeah. that. But I never yeah. feel like I'm doing it right. Do you always feel like, do you know when you're in it? Um, no, I know when I'm, I'm existing out of it, which is right. not good. Right. So when I can't actually remember what I did terribly well, that's, that's, that's when I know, oh, okay, we're in, we're in something else now. But I'm, I need my director. You know, I need my my actors around me, and I love the I love working together. If you've worked I, with I, you've worked with everybody for me, you've worked with like everybody. Oh no, no, there's so many people I want to work with still. I mean, I've worked with some extraordinary actors. I'd love to work with Denzel at some point. Ah. Um, I I'd love to work with Denzel. I'd Did probably, you listen you know, to? You know, it was so funny. I interviewed uh, Ethan Hawke about about uh, a while Ethan, back. Ethan, I just worked with Ethan. Yeah, and the in the Viking yes. movie. Yes, he played in, my king. Really, King King Arvindil. This is in the the one he did in Ireland. Yes, and I'm now crazy about Ethan. Yeah. I mean, he was always a great actor, but just personally, what a great guy. Yeah, he's and a sweet so guy. much knowledge. Yeah, and such an artist, such an actor, and director, and writer, and just. A renaissance man, actually, he, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But he was mm -hmm. funny because he was talking about training day, about you know getting ready to yeah. work with, with Denzel. And uh, yeah. he said he, he watched Denzel's old movies like football players watch old game films. Like he wanted to know how Denzel was going to do it so he could not get eaten alive by Denzel's acting. So yeah, he, had, he had a study... Denzel, so he could hold his own in <laughs> scenes with him, <laughs> right? So that he wasn't intimidated as right. well. But the great, but they, I mean, he did. It's great. It's great. Fantastic. They were fantastic together. So is this movie? This is by the guy who did uh, the Lighthouse. Yeah, Robert is it, Eggers. Is it? Is it weird? Yeah, very weird. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you guess? <laughs> um, I was. I. I, I said to him. I'm terrified to come over and do this, particularly one because it was it's a pandemic, yeah, and flying into the middle of um, sort of a lockdown to work yeah, on a film. Right, I, I know it's um, it's really it's it's scary. You know, I just know from doing it myself. I'm in it now. Mm, yeah, it's really it, it's really because I thought it would be so horrible and sad, and it is scary. And it's you know it's not a hundred percent you know, safe, but you are taking a sort of risk, but they're doing everything they can. But it, it, I thought it would be just diminishing without having the community out of scenes, you know, to be able to kind of hang out and do, but it, it actually, it's kind of intense. It, it sort of helps the focus in a way and it's a little sad, but it makes the work feel all the more important in a way. Yeah. I don't know what your yeah. experience was. Yeah, no, no. And also just grateful to be doing the work because yeah. having gone, oh, this is so important. And that's why I went because I was like, I don't want to one, let down a huge production. And two, I want to work with these people. And if we can do it with safety, how fantastic. And we did, and we did it. And the film is finished and you're going to Ireland. did it. And it was, and I'm moving to Belfast. Um, <laughs> and it was crazy wild and I'm a supporting role in it. So I got to sort of, but, um, um, uh, but, it, but he's really fascinating, I guess. He's, um, he's one of the, the new guard. They're coming in. They're going to yeah. take over. That's he's good. Got he's a great filmmaker. Yeah, I, liked it. Um, I like the Lighthouse a lot. How long have you been 
producing? What was the first thing you produced? Rabbit hole. So like what what was the shift there? I mean, was it your people said you should put together a production company or you were like, I want to have more control or what what was the decision? Because I know everybody puts together a production company, but you're doing very well with it and you're starring in a lot of it. So what what why did you feel like you needed to do that? Because I believed in the piece and no one else was going to do it. So we bought the we bought the rights. Um, David Lindsay Abair is a gorgeous, brilliant writer. And I wanted to um, dark movie, that movie. A dark movie, but so nuanced and, yeah, yeah. and oh, yeah, special. Yeah. And and we had no money. We had to really, you know, beg, steal, and borrow for that because that was um, that subject matter. And I was not sort of where I am now in terms of my career and being able to get things made. And it was just like, please, please, please. And John Cameron Mitchell came on and was so just brilliant at going we're going to do this and then just beautifully directing the performances and it's a performance piece um so uh i was just really proud we got it made and you like that you liked all that part of it do you like it as much as acting putting it together bringing people together casting pulling yeah. money together all that um i don't like the i don't like once i'm in the performance i really try to delegate off a lot of those things but I like being able to go, what can we do to get this actor? Because let's think or give somebody a chance that they would never have been considered for the role. Like in Undoing Noma, Noma had not done, she plays the lawyer. And oh, yeah. she'd not really done um, film or television, a little tiny bit, but this was her big, big thing. And it was just great being able to go, yeah, we're going to cast her. Yeah, she yes. plays the, your friend, the lawyer. No, she plays Hughes. Yeah, oh, Hughes oh, lawyer. oh yeah. my God, she was spectacular, fabulous. Yeah, yeah, and just being able to, you know, at, at the same time make decisions, artistic decisions that will help um, propel and support the director. I'm deeply into going. What do you need so you can go and realize your vision as a producer? And then trying to sort of corral it so that it's not blown out. And you worked at the, both these last two big pro, the two big TV projects, the Undoing and Big yeah. Little Lies. You were, you you were produ- you were actively producing, and but Big Little Lies, it, there must have been a lot of because Reese was part of uh, producing that as well, or what? Yeah. How'd you yeah, all absolutely. get along? Everybody get along good? Yeah, I mean we're all still very close to the point that we do want to do a season three if we could you know, muster it all together. But otherwise we're just, yeah. I mean, that was the first time and we've all said it. One, you get to experience enormous success together. So that's a lovely thing to share. But we got to be on set. We got to be up in Montecito with great characters and, and be together. That's, it doesn't happen. Right. As we said, we've never worked. I mean, for Laura, Reese, Zoe, Shay, all of us to get to know each other and go out to dinner and be able to discuss and go, how do we change this? And we got to fix that. And how did it go today? And what do you need? And even when we were doing the big scene at the end of BLL one with Alex, where he's sort of, and it's really violent. And um, Laura's going, are you okay? After each scene where we're being thrown around and punched, kicked, and we're all going, are you okay? Are you okay? Are your head almost just hit the ground? No, no, no. What about your arm? And, you know, just being able to 
advocate for each other as well was really um, just just good. It felt good. Oh, it's so wild. And, the three, like, like I just Reese and Laura and you having been <laughs> working so long. And I, mm. I guess it's it's only the first time you've worked with either of them together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And subsequently have now, because it's been years that we've right. now been um, in each other's lives. But we all started as um, around 14. I think Reese even started younger. She was maybe 12. So we all have, we've shared all those stories. Wow. And that's a particular path, having started in as a child actor and come all the way through. And this whole thing you did with Hugh Grant being like this filthy monster, like I, <laughs> with the undoing, he's definitely a different thing. And you're watching it to to see, you know, Hugh Grant. Right. Do, yeah. And you're watching you and, and old, old Donald Sutherland doing his thing. Wow. Yeah, Donald. Donald has great stories. He's like a weathered mountain, Donald Sutherland. <laughs> weathered mountain. Yeah, and just the fantastic. I mean, talk about having great, great partners to work with. I mean, Donald, he's so, he's so on it. He All his dialogue, all his ideas yeah. are superb. Yeah. I mean, and he's over 80, and he comes in, and he's just, extraordinary and a force and for me looks a little like my dad has the uh. essence of my father so i didn't have to i just wanted to go and put my head on his shoulder um be held by him which you know which is a fantastic thing as an actor because if that's there that 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 um vibration exists just because yeah. That's a fantastic thing. I don't have to work for that. I don't have to find it. I don't have to explore it because that's just that's just there in the air. You got to look for. Don't you have to look for that in almost any you know any role you're playing? Isn't it better when you can find that that something that's just there or that you can connect with? You know, uh, as 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 that yourself. It just vibrates between yeah. you without. Yeah, something that's just. Um, I guess yeah, you can't that, force it. That you can't no. That's what I mean by the unconscious. Mm. It's so wonderful when that that feeling of um, everything you don't know comes flowing out of you, and you didn't even know it was there. Mm. That's and that's sort of probably what Stanley was always interested in. That's why he shot for so long. He wasn't interested in what he could do. He was interested in finding what he didn't know, and right. that was suddenly there. And it was a discovery. And in, um, so a lot of his rehearsal, a lot of his time was spent experimenting. And there's something to be said for that. Oh, yeah. There no, really it's is. great if, if you if you want to. It's, it's amazing that he it. took that time using film. I mean, now it's easy. Like, if you have time, mm -hmm. you can just blow through takes all day long with digital. But he was doing that with rolls of film. Mm. It's crazy. Mm. I'm the, the movie I'm shooting now, he's shooting on film. And it's crazy. Because like you know, you gotta you actually have to check a gate and then you have to yeah, wait to we reload. Just did that. Oh, you did it up yeah. there with Yeah, that was on the on Robert's movie, on Egger's movie. Yeah, it was like check the gate and you stand around going, Oh, was otherwise because yeah. <laughs> um, he was shooting a lot of things in one shot and we would do a lot of takes and then suddenly you have a, a take that's print. Well then you gotta check the gate. So we yeah. all stand there without holding our breath. Right. <gasps> Do you you don't want to direct? Have you had a hair in the gate? No, I haven't heard. It hasn't happened yet. No. 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 What about directing? Okay, What's well, going on? Did you, have you tried directing? Do I not know? No. 
No, I'm I'm happy being an actor and a producer. Yeah, but I love the art form of acting. I just do. And I used to be embarrassed to say it was an art form, but it is, and I embrace it, and I love it, and it is. Um, I'm deeply attached to to what it is, and it's I've given a huge amount of my life to it. Yeah, and, and it's like that's the amazing thing what we were talking about at the beginning where it's sort of like every time you do something, it seems like people are like, you know, either like, you know, rediscovering you or like all of a sudden like they're like, oh, my God, she's so amazing. Like you've always been amazing. Like the work you've done is so varied and interesting and, you know, different. It's it's really a, a, a great. Uh, weird. <laughs> some of it's weird. Some weird, of it's yeah. weird. But 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 you can tell that you're yeah. doing it because you love to do it and you want to take these chances within these characters mm-hmm. to engage in, in, in what interests you about living, you know? Yeah, and I want to, yeah, I do. I want to support auteurs. Yeah. I want their voices yeah. out there. I want well, that's what you're the doing as a producer. ones to be supported. Yeah. Yeah, and as an actor. It's why yeah. I went for Eggers because I was like, okay, this is one of the auteurs you know so yes let's you know well i mean i love financiers that are doing that Arnold Milchon, he's, he's putting the money up for that you know and so i have to contribute that's part of my um life's contribution is helping those voices they have heard. to and, and there's yeah yeah they do they have to and I've learned so much through it. And it's like, it's so great to see movies. Like yeah, because movies have changed my life. They have. Yeah. And novels and art has changed. I respond to it. They do. So, we just talked about so many movies that changed our life just now. Yeah. Crawling out of a cinema in a fetal position and then going, I want to go and work for women and help with with violence against women. I mean, those things, that comes from my own... So even just with the prom recently, people going, I got to go to a prom by watching that movie. I got to, and the ultimate message of that film being a parent saying to their child, I love you. Mm. I just love you. Yeah. It's just you. Yeah. Because of you. Who you. I mean, one of the greatest parenting things is to say to your child, you don't have to do or be anything to get my love. You just have it. Yeah. And now when people are so isolated and and kind of uh, alone, you know, these stories about life are very important. Yeah, I've been the most lonely in my life and I've picked up a book and read it and it's given me the chance to escape and be and feel and probably at times save my life. And then um, watched a movie and gone, I have to change my life now. I actually have to go and change the what my, the direction of where I'm going. Are you at peace? Are you at peace with everything? Like you know, in context yeah. of with well, but like in your past, <laughs> have like you know, have you have you gotten like you, you know your do you do you have like regrets and stuff, or do you have a certain amount of peace? I grapple with all those things. I grapple with all of them still. Regrets, not so much regrets. More, I can retread things. And yeah. go back. And then I have the sense of, oh, I wish some of that would come back. I'd love, you know, all of those. So I fluctuate. And I'm very, <laughs> um, I suppose. But you like your life. Oh, deeply down on my knees, 
praying, saying yeah. thank you for this life. Yes. Well, good. And also at the same time going, um, what can I do? Yeah. What good. can I do to still be a part of it and to move forward and to give? Well, you certainly um, do a lot. So that's so. great. It was good. <laughs> it's nice talking to you. Yeah, nice talking to you. You think we Thank covered you. everything? <laughs> no, we're near everything. This is just the beginning. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, um, but I love talking, and thank you for um, for for asking me. Yeah, things. it was very exciting. I was uh, I was nervous, and it was great. And uh, I'm a big fan, and you do great work. And it's nice to talk to you. No. Oh. Thank you. So nice to talk to you. And as I say, I subscribe. I'm listening. Oh, good. So oh, keep good. them coming because well, they're just, good and I'm I just, learning. I just, was, I just watched, um, I'm going to talk to, uh, I just watched, speaking of movies that are sort of like, you know, auteur and unique, I just watched Kate Winslet's mm-hmm. new movie, the Ammonite yes, movie. I want to see it. Oh, my yeah. God. Is it wonderful? It is. It's pretty yeah. intense. Like, it's, yeah. it's, there's some real stuff going on there. And, to what actors both of Crazy. those I, I talk about combination i want to see how they vibrate together you, <gasps> yeah yeah i just watched it because i'm gonna i'm hopefully get to talk to her but like i i realized watching that movie that like you know these are the kind of movies that you know we need that need to keep happening is these very specific poetic you know artistic uh movies mm. that take chances that don't mm. uh, abide by some sort of mainstream appeal or access that happen only because an auteur, you know, wrenched it into being. It's important. Mm. Well, she for for Saoirse and and Kate to do that movie is so important, and that that character sounds really complicated in terms of just um, how reserve what she was holding within. And hardly I mean, talks. I, I can't wait to see it. Hardly, hardly talk. talks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay, great. I've watched. I just wanted to know that I watched all of The Undoing. I watched all of uh, Big Little Lies. <laughs> I've watched most of your movies. I watched. All, I don't have to do that, Nicole. I don't have to. No. But I did. Thank you. Because I wanted to make sure you were okay in the end oh, of both nice. of them. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm okay in the end. Yeah. You talk are. to me when I'm eighty. Can we talk again? Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take yeah, care of yourself. Yeah, continued. Okay. Mwah, you too. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right. That was exciting. She was lovely. It was good talking to her. I feel like it was a good talk. That was Nicole Kidman. If you're just tuning in, <laughs> you can see Nicole. If you're just joining us, uh, that was Nicole Kidman. You can rewind it and listen to it. Rewind it. Fast forward backwards. Fast re... What do you... You know, it's behind us. But you can get it. Why would you just be joining us now anyways? I'm being silly. You can watch uh, The Undoing on HBO Max, and you can watch any any one of her thousands of movies. Um, and yeah, something has to happen. Something in the direction of punishment. The process. We've got to get back on some kind of track. Anyway, that said, I'm going to play some Fender on Fender. Here's some Fender on Fender action being driven by a Jew. (laughs) 
Boomer lives. Monkey. LaFonda. Yeah, cat angels everywhere, man. Look out, they're gonna put a chip in you. (laughs) 